You're listening to this edition of 88.9 The Pulse, WQSU Sports Podcast. And we're here on the first sports podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm joined by Seth for our first podcast of the year. Today we're going to talk some NFL football. First, we're going to start with stuff that happened in the trade deadline before we get into the Des Bryant move. Brady and Rogers debate, and then we're talking NFC, AFC, and playoff picks. So, I mean, to kick things off tonight, we're going to talk trade deadline. Amari Cooper is the biggest move, I think. I mean, it was the first move to happen. Amari Cooper to the Dallas Cowboys. Seth, can you give us your thoughts on that? The Dallas Cowboys overpaid tremendously for Amari Cooper. He was not worth a first-round pick. He was not worth what the Dallas Cowboys gave up. And... They really struck out on this deal. They're not a great team, but they did need a wide receiver. So I guess it made sense, but it just wasn't the right move for a first-round pick. Oakland is a terrible team right now. I don't mind Amari Cooper leaving that team. He is scheduled to make $13 million next year, though. Uh, um, Ezekiel Elliott's contract is up, and so is uh, Dak Prescott's. So... They're already paying a mediocre, at best right now, wide receiver. Yes, he had four receptions for 60 yards and a touchdown in his first game as a Cowboy. But the Dallas Cowboys are going to have to pay Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. They're absolutely paying Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe not that much to Dak because he hasn't shown anything since his first year. But to give up a first-round pick for a $13 million contract next year is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. A first-round pick is absolutely insane for Amari Cooper. But, I mean, the Raiders is a complete dumpster fire. They're clearly getting rid of everyone. Just got rid of Irvin on defense. I mean, they're clearly rebuilding, getting rid of Cooper. But, I mean, I think this move for Dallas, they were so high and gave up a first-round pick. Um, I think this they're expecting to pay Dak Prescott money, and I think this deal it makes Dak Prescott prove himself. He now has Ezekiel Elliott and what they consider a number one wide receiver. So I think this is Jerry Jones taking a look to see should they really sign Dak Prescott to an extension, and if they do, how much. But I totally agree. Amari Cooper for a first-round pick is absolutely insane. That's a high price to pay, especially when you look in Philly. Philly acquiring Golden Tate for only a third-round pick. So, I mean, if you get Golden Tate and Amari Cooper, I'd say they're pretty similar players. And, I mean, what I didn't understand about the Cowboys is when they played the other night, I feel like they were trying too hard to get Amari Cooper involved. I know he had that first touchdown, but after that, it almost seemed that Dak Prescott was trying to force the ball into him in tight windows. Yeah, I agree. But, Dylan, tell me this. Do you think that Amari Cooper is better than Des Bryant? No, absolutely not. I mean, that's what I'm saying. And I think Des Bryant might have been a distraction in the locker room, but it's really not that big of a difference of a player. And They'd be making the same amount of money. Maybe Des would be making a little bit more than $13 million this year and next year. But Des Bryant, when he's healthy and uh, actually has a good quarterback, is a top-five wide receiver in the league. They got rid of him, yes, because of the distractions in the locker room. But to give up a first-round pick when you already had a bona fide number one wide receiver in Des Bryant before the start of the year, to me, just doesn't make sense. And it's been 20-plus years that the Cowboys have been this mediocre team. They've gone 13-3 and two or three years and have done nothing. They haven't won a playoff game. So... This Tony Romo elite business a couple years ago when he was uh, still in the league, it didn't make sense. 
They can't win a playoff game. The Eagles prove that they can win a Super Bowl. The Giants prove that they can win a Super Bowl. The only other team in the East that hasn't done much is Washington, but they've still won playoff games. Yes, they mortgaged their future a couple years ago to get uh, Robert Griffin III, but look at them right now. They're 5-3. and three. They just made a big trade for a big safety. But the Dallas Cowboys are not making the moves that a smart football team is willing to make. So this trade for Amari Cooper for a first-round pick just did not make sense to me. Yeah, it's absolutely mind-blowing, and I think Jason Garrett's seat in Dallas is getting hotter and hotter, and maybe it's more than just a coaching problem. I think it's more of an organizational problem, as you said. Such a high, high-value pick that they gave up. I mean, and right now it's looking like that pick, that first-round pick, could be a high pick. I mean, it could be in the top 15 or so, the way Dallas is going so far. So it's a really interesting move. And now we want to take over a look at Golden Tate to the Eagles. They only gave up a third-rounder for him. I mean, you're just adding in another deep threat, especially for the Eagles. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Him and Alshon Jeffrey on the outside. I mean, they had Mike Wallace unexpectedly go down early in the year, so they were looking for that guy. They got Golden Tate for just a third rounder, just like they did last year getting Jay Ajayi. So, I mean, Philly's been very aggressive. Howie Roseman's been super aggressive in years past, and last year it paid off big time acquiring Jay Ajayi at the deadline. So, this Golden Tate move is very interesting, and I think it provides Carson Wentz with much more weapons because now you got Alshon Jeffrey and Golden Tate on the outside with Nelson Aguilar, who's been playing exceptionally well, has slacked off as of late, but I mean, now you give uh, uh, Carson Wentz three receivers that he can target, and I mean, that's what he needs, especially with the running game in Philly being so weak this year. Yeah, I think it was a good move by Philadelphia. They were targeting uh, Golden Tate or Demarius Thomas. Now, Demarius Thomas went for a fifth-round pick, and uh, you know, Demarius Thomas seems like he is sliding off, but when he had a good quarterback in Peyton Manning, he was unbelievable. He was one of the best wide receivers in the game with Peyton Manning there, and he hasn't had a quarterback in three years now. So he hasn't been the same player. But going back to the Eagles with Golden Tate, I think it was an important trade for them because Golden Tate can play outside or inside. And it was surprising that the Detroit Lions, who are still competitive in that NFC North, which is right now still anybody's division, the uh, Chicago Bears are 5-3, and three. The Minnesota Vikings are 5-3-1, and one, or 5-4-1, uh, uh, and one, whatever they are. And Green Bay is 3-4-1. and one. So that division is anybody's division up there. Yeah, Green Bay is still slacking off. They're two games behind. But still, like, they can... They have Aaron Rodgers. They don't need much else. They have Aaron Rodgers. So it was surprising that Detroit let up a guy who was commanding 27% of the throws from Matthew Stafford in an offense that throws the ball, what, 80% of the time? So that was a surprise by the Detroit Lions to get rid of Golden Tate, but it was a big pickup by the Eagles because he really can play anywhere on the field. He's quick. He can run the ball. He's, he's I think, a better Nelson Aguilar, and he's not as much of a deep threat as Alshon, but he allows the Eagles to spread the field, and he, he just, as you said, gives Carson Wentz that next option. And Eagles' offense has been slacking. They haven't been able to finish the game because they haven't been able to find somebody to help them finish that game. Ertz has been playing unbelievable. Godair has been pretty good. And Jeffrey coming off that injury, that shoulder injury, where he literally couldn't move his arm, he's looked pretty good. But at the end of the game, they didn't have a closer. So bringing Golden Tate in now opens up Alshon or Ertz 
in at the end of the game because you can't put a cornerback on Zach Ertz anymore. You have to put a linebacker on him because Golden Tate commands that other cornerback position. And then the, uh, the last cornerback position goes to Nelson Aguilar because you cannot put in a linebacker on him. So you put a linebacker on Zach Ertz, it's like putting a linebacker on Rob, Gon- Rob Gronkowski. Both those tight ends are two of the best. One and two or one and three or two and three. So having Golden Tate allows the Eagles' offense to spread the field. And then once they spread the field, maybe they can actually close a game. And when they're up 17 nothing going into the fourth quarter, they can win that game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you said it best. It's going to allow them to spread the field. Carson Wentz to spread the field, and hopefully we can get Corey Clement going in the... This will open up receiving yards for Corey Clement as they hope to improve and, like you said, spread the field. you got Golden Tate and now Sean Jeffrey, like we got into. And, I mean, hopefully, I think Lions, the Detroit Lions got rid of him because he was at the end of his contract. They weren't expecting him to re-sign, and hopefully he's not just a one-year rental for Philly, or an eight-game rental, I should say. Hopefully longer, maybe an 11-game rental, but hopefully he's not just a rental, and they're able to re sign him at the end of this offseason so it should be interesting when we see there but as we touched earlier Demarius Thomas to the Houston Texans the Texans had Will Fuller go down and you could tell right there like they lost their first three games but now they've won six in a row or it's six and three looking red hot Deshaun Watson looks like the Deshaun Watson that didn't tear his or before he tore his ACL however and I mean I mean when you got DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson, you got a chance. So, I mean, once Will Fuller went down, he has been an explosive guy for them. They went out and got Demarius Thomas, and I think this was a great move, and you could tell in Houston they want to win, and they want to win right now as they got that great defense and that young quarterback with DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I agree that they are trying to win right now. Uh, I personally didn't think that the Will Fuller injury was that big for the Texans. Will Fuller was the kind of guy who would go for three receptions, 55 yards, and three touchdowns. He's not that guy who gets 10 receptions for 150 yards a game and maybe one touchdown. He's the kind of guy who will get open in the end zone, and you'll find him every time because he's open in the end zone. But to me, that wasn't as much of a big loss for the Houston Texans as it might seem because his stats just don't show it. Yes, he commands... Uh, a cornerback all the time because he has that ability. He has the big play ability. But when you have DeAndre Hopkins, who, in my opinion, is the number one receiver in the league, he's the best hands in the league, he has an incredible vertical, and he's quick as lightning. So having Hopkins there and now Demarius Thomas, who with a good cornerback, could look like the Demarius Thomas of three years ago when Peyton Manning threw for uh, 5,500 yards and 55 touchdowns. 15 of them to Demarius Thomas. So having a good quarterback for Demarius Thomas is huge for his career, the tail end of his career. But him and DeAndre Hopkins are going to be unbelievable, I think. And that Houston defense, it's good. Their cornerbacks are young, so it's going to be tough for them when they get to the playoffs and if if and when they get to the playoffs and who they're going to end up playing. So... You know, I don't really see any defensive juggernauts in the NFL right now. The, the two biggest games of the season, uh, the Rams and Saints and the Patriots and the Chiefs. Chiefs, there were 180 points scored between the two games. There was no defense to be heard of. Right, and I, I totally agree with you. I think it's an offensive league. It's a passing league. And, I mean, I think the acquisition of Demarius Thomas, I think what Will Fuller 
did for the Houston Texans is he drew a lot of attention off of DeAndre Hopkins. He did just enough to make the defense have to respect him and pay attention to him. And I think that's what they're all they're looking for Demarius Thomas to do is if you overplay DeAndre Hopkins, watch out because Demarius Thomas is going to burn you for a deep ball and a touchdown. So, I mean, I, I like the move personally. They really didn't give up much. I think, like you said, it was a fourth rounder, so not the end of the world. And, I mean, they want to win, and they want to win right now. They got that great defense. Deshaun Watson, who's playing very well, and they've been playing very well in their last six games. They've now won six in a row. And then the last trade we're going to look at is another one in the NFC East. Haha, Clinton Dix to the Washington Redskins for a fourth-round pick. I mean, recently, Haha, Clinton Dix has been struggling. I know he struggled for the first game with the Redskins. But, I mean, the Redskins needed to improve their secondary, so they went out and got Clinton Dix, who played extremely well for the Packers his first, his rookie and his second year, but then has not played so well the last two years. So, I mean, they didn't give up much, but they knew they wanted to improve their defense. They might actually be playing better than most expected as they're in the top of the NFC East. So, I mean, maybe they see this as this, them benefiting, and maybe they see this as an opportunity for them be, to be able to win the division. Yeah, I don't think it's that big of a move for the Redskins. But yes, they had to improve that secondary. They had no safeties to, to speak of. So getting him allows him to play center field for the Washington Redskins. So he's able to allow a, a terrible safety to sit down and to bring a guy with experience and playoff experience into Washington, D.C. But I think it was a bigger loss for the Packers. The Packers have no defense. Everything that goes right for the Packers lies on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. Everything that he that Aaron Rodgers does is a win for the Packers. Whenever the Packers lose, it's because of the defense. It's not because Rodgers played poorly. It's because the defense is so bad. They haven't had a defense for him since they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they went 15 and 1 the year after the, they won the Super Bowl, but they haven't been back. They haven't made, they haven't been to the NFC Championship game, and if they have, they haven't performed well because the defense is lacking. They try and get somebody like Julius Peppers to play the defensive line, it doesn't do much. Clay Matthews is an incredibly good player, but that's one guy on the defense and he can only rush. He can't cover. He's only a defensive end. So, the Packers didn't get anything for him. They got a fourth rounder. Okay. They didn't improve on the defense. So they're sitting at 3-4-1 right now Then with a loss last Sunday to the Patriots. They have a very hard division. An up-and-coming young team like Chicago can run laps around somebody like the Packers' defense. And the Packers got lucky to win that first game in the season against Chicago. Chicago was up 14 points, and Aaron Rodgers led two magical drives to take the lead. So... I'm not impressed with what the Packers did. I think they ha- they should have kept Ha Clinton Dix, but it's not a huge trade. But it c- it can be beneficial for the Redskins come, you know, crunch time when they are trying to win the division. Yeah, I completely agree with you. The Packers got rid of him. And that was kind of disappointing, but we'll get into that a little bit later. And I mean, the last move of really 
this big market. I mean, it came actually today with Des Bryant heading to the New Orleans Saints. I mean, the Saints are red hot right now. Just came off a win against the Rams. So acquiring Des Bryant, a guy like that, to go along with Michael Thomas on the outside is going to be a huge acquisition because I think before acquiring Des Bryant, the Saints really have a top three quarterback in the league in Drew Brees, a top three running back in the league in Alvin Kamara who can do absolutely it all. He can He's run the best it, running back. He, he can run it between the tackles. He can get outside the tackles. He can catch the ball. He can do it absolutely all. And then you have a top three wide receiver in Michael Thomas who absolutely has been lighting it up and killed it against the Rams. I think he had about 220 yards. So, I mean, on that last play, he completely burned Marcus Peters, caught him sleeping and scored the touchdown, pulled out the cell phone like Joe Horn. So, the Saints are absolutely red hot, and I think the acquisition of Des Bryant just proves that it's Super Bowl or bust in New Orleans for them. And, I mean, him and Michael Thomas on the outside with Drew Brees throwing the throwing the pigskin, it's going to be it's going to be an awesome thing to see. And I think, I think after this move especially, I think if they can get Des Bryant – just half of what he was in his prime, I think the Saints are clearly the favorite in the NFC in my eyes, and it's a stacked and loaded NFC. Yeah, I think the top two teams in the NFC, the Rams and the Saints, who had an incredible game this past weekend, it's going to be, again, as I said earlier, an offensive juggernaut. The two teams with two of the best offenses in the league against the next two teams, the top top two in the AFC— and the Chiefs or Patriots for if those four teams make it to the NFC cha- the championship games for both uh, for both conferences, both those conference games are going to be incredible. And I think the Super Bowl is going to be just as good as last year's Super Bowl, which was one of the best ones I've seen. So I think that the Saints right now have earned the respect of everybody in the league after getting blown out by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first game of the season. At home, in New Orleans, in the Superdome, they have gone on to win eight in a row. And the three-headed monster in Breeze, Thomas, and Kamara have just been unbelievable. So adding Des Bryant to the rest of the nobody cast on the New Orleans Saints is very good for them. Yes, Ben Watson has played well in the last couple weeks, but... He's a streaky player, and he has been his entire career. He's a good blocker. He can catch the ball, but he's not the highlight of an offense. So, yeah, he'll get maybe three or four receptions a game for 50 or 60 yards and maybe one touchdown. But adding Des Bryant, a guy who's a number one wide receiver on almost any team he goes to, was a very good move by the Saints because it allows uh, the Saints to spread the offense just like the Eagles are going to spread the offense, just like the Texans are going to spread the offense. I can't put Dallas in there because Dak Prescott can't prove himself by throwing the ball. So the other two teams I mentioned, getting top-end wide receivers are going to be able to spread their offense. And yes, the New Orleans Saints can continue to spread the offense. They can even split Kamara out wide and bring in Mark Ingram. So that was a very good move by the New Orleans Saints. And again, I think they solidified their top-tier team because the Rams don't have the playoff experience that Drew Brees and some of the Saints have. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's scary to say that that great offense, I think, got better. So it's interesting. But, I mean, after the trade deadline and everything, is there any team that you were expecting to make a move that maybe quite didn't make the move that you were expecting? The New England Patriots. 
Who were you looking? Who were you looking for them to get? What position? And it was reported throughout uh, October that they were looking for another wide receiver. They were looking at Golden Tate. They were looking at Demarius Thomas, uh, and it was rumored that they might be looking at Dez. And Dez said he wanted to go to New England, but Belichick didn't want to bring him there. But I thought that they were going to try and add to that offense. Because if Gronkowski can't play, and, and we don't know what's going to be his outlook, because he has a back injury. We know what happens when Gronkowski gets a back injury. So, trying to get another top-end wide receiver to help Edelman and Josh Gordon out would have been huge for Tom Brady. But, James White, who has 65 receptions, and he's second in the NFL, or uh, he's top five in the NFL in receptions, having him and him being able to basically play a wide receiver out of the backfield is huge for Brady. But getting Edelman back four weeks ago was big, and it showed. They've won six in a row. Sony Michelle is rumored to be coming back this Sunday, but I don't think he should. I think because they're going on their bye week after this coming week, they should rest him for another two weeks, allow him to get the full rest. I understand reps, but not making a move in standing pat you know, it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. You can't say it's a bad move, but it was just surprising because the, those two together are so unbelievable that it's just unsurprising if they don't make a move. And it's kind of surprising when they do make a move. But they have a lot of picks coming up, so, you know, they weren't willing to give up any of them. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think them getting Josh Gordon, you can see the chemistry and trust that's starting to build between him and Tom Brady after Josh Gordon had that touchdown this past week. But for me, the most surprising team I was expecting to make a move is the Green Bay Packers. I mean, everyone in the NFC North is making trades. The Lions got Damon Harrison for absolutely nothing from the Giants, who used to be an all-pro D tackle. So, I mean, they're improving on the defensive end. You have the Vikings going out and get Kirk Cousins in free agency because they realize they had an elite quarterback. Maybe they can make a run for the Super Bowl. And then you have the Chicago Bears getting the best defensive player in the league in Khalil Mack. And then you have the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Donald. Debatable, but that's for another time. But, I mean, then you have the Green Bay Packers out there not doing anything. And you have one of the greatest throwers of the football in the history of the game. And they're not taking full advantage of it. I mean, you're banged up at the wide receiver position. Randall Cobb's been hurt. I mean, you think they would go out and get maybe a guy like Golden Tate, like the Eagles did, or Demarius Thomas, or something like that, to give Aaron Rodgers some help. They got rid of Ty Montgomery. I mean, who two years ago they were expecting Ty Montgomery to be a solid running back, and I mean he made that horrible mistake fumbling the kickoff, not even giving Aaron Rodgers a shot to come back. And we all know Aaron Rodgers; that's when he's best is in the two minutes. They could have beaten the Rams had it not been for Ty Montgomery's fumble. Absolutely. They might, and we'll get to this later again, but they might have been able to beat the Pats had Aaron Jones not fumbled. But I don't think that the Packers really needed to improve on the offensive end. Aaron Rodgers, as you said, is one of the best throwers of our generation of all time. So he can make do with anything he has, which he's doing right now. But they didn't do anything defensively. They have uh, Alexander at the cornerback position, who's a rookie, who's playing really well, but that's just one guy. Clay Matthews has been playing well, but he's been the most penalized offensive end in the league. They have no linebackers. They have a safety playing. They have, they have a linebacker playing the safety position who was thrown out in Sunday's game. But they didn't make any improvements on the defensive end. So I'm not optimistic about it. They didn't do anything to improve. 
they're still a good team because of Aaron Rodgers. But look at last year. When Rodgers went down, they lost seven of nine games without him. So, it'll be interesting what it's going to be like. He signed a four-year extension worth over $100 million. So, they're paying him $100 million, and he doesn't have a team around him. It's just him right now. Yeah, and if, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm growing frustrated. I think I am demanding a trade at the end of this season because, I mean, he is in his he's an elite quarterback in his prime, has been for a few years right now, and clearly the Packers aren't doing anything to help him out. It's a complete nightmare out there. And, I mean, he, he needs to win. He needs to win now. I mean, it would be great for football. And if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm demanding a trade right now. I know every team in the league would be interested as he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And But, I mean, I'm getting out of Green Bay. And I'm saying, look, you guys aren't helping me out, so I'm out of here. So if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm getting out of there. Maybe someone like Jacksonville who needs, really needs a quarterback. But Aaron Rodgers, again, please demand a trade. You're listening to this edition of WQSU Sports Podcast. Now we are back on the podcast. I'm Dylan, joined by Seth. I mean, now we're going to get into how there was a Brady, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers debate before they played for what looks like could be one of the last times these two great quarterbacks play as Aaron Rodgers likely isn't making the Super Bowl, and that's the only other time they would play. Maybe Brady would still be around. That'd be a miracle, but who knows? But, I mean, there was a debate, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Seth, I know you're going to take Tom Brady's side here, but in my opinion, I think Aaron Rodgers is just naturally a better thrower of the football, much more athletic, can do more things out of the pocket, give him in the two-minute drill. He's absolutely unbelievable. Some of the throws he's made is absolutely incredible. I don't think any other quarterback in the history of the league could make these throws. And honestly, I think Tom Brady might have just been put in a better situation as he's put in Bill Belichick in that system. Who knows if Aaron Rodgers in that system, Tom Brady said it before, he would have 10,000 yards a season. So, I mean, I think it's more of a system thing. I think Tom Brady's a great quarterback, but when it comes to a natural throw of the football, my money goes on Aaron Rodgers every single time. Aaron Rodgers is physically and... uh... Yeah, I, yeah, he's physically a better quarterback than Tom Brady, and athletically. That's where I was going. He's physically and athletically a better quarterback than Tom Brady. I'm not going to argue with that one. He can throw in the run. He can run. He can make any throw that he wants. Brady doesn't have that ability. He's not fast. I won't say Rodgers is fast, but he doesn't have the legs like Rodgers does. But what Brady has is the winning mentality that Aaron Rodgers tries to emulate. When you think of basketball, you think of the winning mentality in Kobe Bryant. Whenever you needed the go-ahead bucket, whenever you needed points scored, if you had Kobe Bryant on the court, you better believe the ball was in his hands. Yes, Aaron Rodgers makes magic in the last two minutes of games, but so does Brady. Brady is able to lead any drive that he can with two minutes left in the fourth quarter with them down, and win him football game. So, with Tom Brady behind center for the New England Patriots, they won five Super Bowls. So, I would take Tom Brady because of that winning mentality that he has. As a six-round pick, a guy that nobody wanted, he still has the drive at 40 years old, three MVPs and five Super Bowl championships to go out there and say... I still want to win a football game. Not get records, not be the top thrower in the league, but win football games for his team. If he throws for 100 yards and no touchdowns and the team wins, he is still okay with that. 
Yes, he had a poor game in his standard. He's going to say that. But the team won a football game. Might have been because the running backs combined for 300 yards. Might be because the defense was able to get two pick sixes. I would rather have Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers on my team because of that winning instinct. Just like I would rather have in Kobe Bryant's heyday, I would rather have Kobe Bryant over LeBron James. Bro, because chill, chill, chill. Because of the winning instinct that Kobe had. Don't get me wrong. LeBron James is... A better basketball player. Yes. But Kobe had that winning instinct that LeBron is still trying to emulate. And LeBron looks up to Kobe just like Aaron Rodgers, I think, looks up to Tom Brady. Yeah, no, I completely understand where you're coming from. And Tom Brady is the most clutch player in the history of the planet. And as clutch as Aaron Rodgers has been, how great has he been in the last two minutes of football games when his team's in line? He's been excellent. But I'm still... I, if I if I'm a team and I have, I'm down by points with two minutes to go, I want Tom Brady and my quarterback. I agree with you on there, and I mean he definitely has more accomplishments than Aaron Rodgers. But if you're going strictly on the eye test by football playmaking, I think Aaron Rodgers is a better football player than Tom Brady. I mean he can just make better throws, but I mean Tom Brady is the guy. I think credentials show he's the goat. I mean he's accomplished it all. Came back from 28 to three in Super Bowl. I think after that it just solidified it. I think if he had beaten the Eagles in the Super Bowl last year, it would have just blown it out of the water. I mean Aaron Rodgers has got what one Super Bowl, and I think that has a lot to do with the terrible organization Green Bay has been. They've gotten one Super Bowl out of one of the all-time great quarterbacks. One Super Bowl appearance too, I believe, right? Yeah, they've only been to one. That was in 2010. Exactly. And so the following it's so year when they went 15-1, and one, they didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Right. They lost to the 49ers because they couldn't play. They didn't have a defense. So, if Aaron Rodgers had a defense... I think he'd be able to win five Super Bowls just like Tom Brady's been able to win five Super Bowls. But as you said, and as we've been talking about, Tom Brady with the ball in the last two minutes of a football game is who I want to have the ball in the hands of. So Aaron Rodgers may be football physically gifted, more gifted than Tom Brady as he was a first round 23rd pick. Brady was a sixth round 199th pick. But Tom Brady has that winning mentality, and he has the highest football IQ that I've ever seen. So, the GOAT debate, if you're debating whether or not who's the better physically gifted football player, at 100% goes to Aaron Rodgers. If you're talking about a winning quarterback, all the stats back up Brady, and Brady's play on Sunday continued to back it up. Tied at 17. If Aaron Rodgers had that same mentality that Tom Brady had, the Packers started on their own 10-yard line. They were driving down the field to start the fourth quarter. Aaron Rodgers made two unbelievable throws to get them to the Patriots' 34-yard line, and they run the ball? If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm saying over the headset, no, no, no. We're throwing. Because the Patriots were gassed there. They were able to get a substitution in for a run play because it was predictable. A hot Aaron Rodgers versus a gas Patriots defense. Who are you taking, Dill? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, a hot Aaron Rodgers 99.9% of the time. Right. So, with the ball in the Patriots' 34-yard line, a field goal gets him in the lead, 
But then you do give the Tom Brady the ball back with 13 minutes to go. That's besides the point. The Packers get the lead there. That's a completely different ball game. Because after that turnover, the Patriots drove down the field and took the lead. Then the Packers got the ball back, and they went three and out. So that fumble, yes, it turned around the game, but you took the ball out of a hot quarterback's hand, who's one of the best ever. So it just doesn't make sense. Is it the play calling? Is it Rodgers not standing up to his coaches? Mike McCarthy is wasting Aaron Rodgers. I think Mike McCarthy is gone after this season. Aaron Rodgers just signed an extension. He's not going anywhere. Nobody's going to want to pay him $30 million. So, Mike McCarthy's got to go. They're 3-4-1 right now in a division that they can easily win. It's a good division, but there's no clear-cut number one team. And when you have Aaron Rodgers, you shouldn't be 3-4-1. A healthy Aaron Rodgers and you're 3-4-1? That says something about your team. The culture, the coaches, and every player there. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, the Packers has been run horribly, and it seems like Aaron Rodgers always gets screwed. I mean, you had Richard Rodgers fumbling that onside kick, what was that, three or four years ago in the playoffs, cost him a game and cost him a job. It would have been Patriots-Packers Exactly. if that hadn't happened. And then you had Ty Montgomery with the kick, I mean, with the kick return and fumbling it. So it seems like Aaron Rodgers always gets screwed, but then he he did get lucky when he was playing the Cowboys in the playoffs, and they caused a Dez Bryant catch, a no-catch. It was a catch. Yeah, and that bailed Aaron Rodgers out there so I mean it's almost win-lose for him I mean he's gotten his fair share of calls but it also he's had his unfortunate plays happen against him especially in the playoffs but bottom line is two great quarterbacks two top five quarterbacks of all time I mean they've been incredible to watch it's unfortunate that we probably won't get another scenario where we get to see them go head-to-head again Brady wants to play until he's 45 that's four years they'll play in Lambo and who knows hopefully that'll happen because that's something everyone always loves to see is the Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers game I mean it's incredible to watch two great quarterbacks of our generation and two of the greatest of all time but now we're going to get into a little bit of the nfc playoffs start off the nfc and then head over the afc seth who are your top six playoff teams at midway through the season that you would that you think after week 17 is going to be in the playoffs starting at one and going down to six starting at one is going to be kind of hard because it depends on the saints and rams they are the clear-cut one and two Right now, the Saints have the edge over the Rams because they beat them. They have that tiebreaker. So the Saints are sitting at number one right now. And the NFC South with the Panthers and Falcons playing well. Falcons have won three or four games. Panthers are six and two. So, yes, they're only a game behind the Saints. But the Saints are far ahead of the Panthers. But... Two of the last four games for the Saints are against the Panthers. One at home, one away, obviously. But it depends on how the Saints do because they control the NFC right now because they have that tiebreaker over the Rams. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. If the Rams, who are supposed to have a really good defense with Tlaib and Peters at corner, they have three now incredible incredible defensive linemen in uh, Aaron Donald, uh, Ndamukong Sue, and Dante Fowler. So where was this defense on Sunday? 
They let up 35 points in the first half. Yes, they let up 10 points in the rest of the game, but it was the 10 most crucial points in the game. So, I think the Saints, if they can figure out the defensive end, they're going to be the top team in the NFC, followed by the Rams. And then you have... NFC East. You have the NFC East in the Redskins, who are 5-3, and three, but the Eagles just made a big move. The Redskins, if they continue to play the way they did in the first six weeks, I think will win the division. They play like they did the last two weeks. They look terrible. They're not winning that division, especially with the Eagles coming on. If the Eagles can start closing out games, like I said earlier, they'll win the division. I, 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 I don't want to say I guarantee it, but they're that good of a team. Then you got the Bears and Vikings sitting at five and three and five three and one. So it'll be interesting in that division. And the Packers are there, and the Lions are there. It's a good division, but the Bears don't have any playoff experience. They have zero. And they have a second-year quarterback who's looked pretty good, but they don't have any playoff experience. So even if the Bears make it, I don't see them really getting past that wild card round. I think a wild card team can beat them. Especially a team like the Panthers, who are sitting in the fifth seed, who I think are going to keep that seed because the Saints are going to be that number one seed. And then you got kind of a jumble. But after the uh, Panthers, you have the Vikings, who obviously made it to the NFC Championship game last year. They play the way they have the last couple weeks. Yeah, I think they can win. But yeah, behind them, a hot Falcons team whose defense has played well enough to win games. And Matt Ryan is red hot. Julio Jones finally scored a touchdown the first time in about a year. And then after that, I think teams trail off. I mean, the Eagles are sitting at the ninth seed right now, but they're a much better team than a ninth seed. So the top six, the top six or seven teams in the NFC are very good teams. But it's front-loaded. The one and two seeds are, I think, going to be in that championship game. Then you go over to the AFC. Yeah, before before we before we get in the AFC, I just wanted to say something about the NFC. I think the NFC is absolutely loaded, and I think I think having those first two t- top two seeds is so big, so crucial to have that buy in this NFC. And I think I'm with you. I think I have the Saints at one, the Rams at two, so I have them getting the buy, and then I have the Eagles coming in at three out of the NFC East. The four spot, I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings out of the NFC North. And then the five, I have the Panthers, who aren't going to win the division because of the Saints, but they have a shot. But I think they're a very, very good football team. Cam Newton, the last couple years, he's either been a superstar or absolutely terrible. And and this year so far, he's been a superstar. If you go back and look at when he was the MVP of the year, of the season, I mean, I mean, he, if you compare the stats, he's almost on pace with his MVP season. So he's been playing exce- exce- exceptionally well. Christian McCaffrey has emerged as a top back. I mean, so, I mean, the Panthers are looking really good. If they could have a better receiving core to back up Cam Newton, it would be incredible. I mean, they have a defense who can also play well. And then the sixth seed, I would like it to be the Bears, but I'm going to have to go with the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, you have Russell Wilson. I think he is one of the better quarterbacks in the league. If he could develop an O-line, they can be doing something. And 
they still have to play the Ra- Raiders, who are absolutely horrible. So I'm shaking my head over I, here. Yeah, and I, I think the Seahawks can win some games, and who knows? But I mean, you, and then you, that leaves out two teams, two or three teams, either way, that aren't going to make the playoffs. When I mean, you got the Falcons, who just got off to a horrendous start, but I mean, they're starting to get going. Matt I Ryan even say they got off to a horrendous start. They lost games by two or three points to great teams, and they were. Scoring 38 points. To great teams. I mean, Matt Ryan has been unbelievable this season. He's going under the radar. There's been so many players who have been playing well. People have kind of overlooked Matt Ryan. I mean, he's been awesome. And Julio Jones is second in the league in receiving yards. Finally got into the end zone last week. So who knows what the Falcons can start doing there. And then you got the Packers, who obviously have Aaron Rodgers, best quarterback in the NFC. I mean, so who knows what he he'll be able to pull out of his butt. I mean, he might be able to sneak into the playoffs there. And then the Bears. I mean, Mitch Trubisky has been playing very well. Tyreek Cohen has been awesome in the receiving as a receiving back. Their defense has been absolutely incredible. They got was it Kyle Fuller playing defensive back for them, who's proven that he's one of the top defensive backs in the league. So who knows there? I mean, the NFC I think is completely wide open. But like I said, having that first round bye, especially in the NFC and home field advantage, is so so huge. As the Eagles proved advantage. that last year. Home field advantage is going to be the key for either the Saints or the Rams. Going into New Orleans in the playoffs, that's an atmosphere nobody wants to mess with. I'd be scared to go into New Orleans in the playoffs in that Superdome. Maybe not L.A. as much. I think that the Saints can beat him over in L.A. But playing the Rams, if this is the NFC Championship game, the Rams and Saints, in the Superdome. Be incredible. I'd be scared if I were the Rams. Ticket prices will be high for that one. <laughs> but Absolutely. Uh, but now we're going to head over to the AFC a little bit. I mean, things are starting to heat up there. you got the Chiefs and the Patriots fighting for those top two spots. I mean, Seth, can you tell us a little bit on who you think your top six teams are going to be once it gets to playoff times in the AFC? I mean, it seems to me like the Chiefs and Patriots are the clear-cut favorites of the top two. Yeah, I think that, as you just said, they're the top two. The Patriots do own the tiebreaker between the Chiefs as the Patriots beat them. But Steelers are looking good. They're 5-2-1. and one. Yes, they have that tie against the Browns. But they've been playing really well as of late. And there's a possibility. I, I, I'll keep it at a possibility that Le'Veon Bell comes back. But if I'm the Steelers, I don't want him back. He's not good in the locker room. Nobody wants him there. And Connor James... Is incredible. He's done everything that he's had to to help carry this team. Antonio Brown, who's a top three wide receiver in the league, hasn't even been the main guy in Pittsburgh because Connor James has stole the show. So I think, depending on the final couple games for Kansas City, because they have to play, uh, they have to play the Chargers twice. Chargers are looking good. I don't know what's going to happen there. Because Kansas City doesn't have a defense, and the Chargers have a pretty good defense. So it'll be interesting if Kansas City loses one of those games, the Patriots take over the top seed in the AFC. So And the Chargers have a shot at the division. Right, and yep. the Chargers would have a shot at the division. So it'll be kind of interesting, especially how Patrick Mahomes goes into the final eight weeks of the season. They're sitting at 8-1, they haven't had their bye yet. So it'll be interesting to close out the season what he looks like. He's been lights out, MVP caliber player in the first nine weeks of the season. But let's see what he does in the last eight weeks, seven weeks, and we'll go from there. But top two teams, I think there's not really that many more teams better than the Patriots and 
uh, Kansas City in Absolutely. the AFC. It'll just be interesting who will be that number one seed. Right now, it's Kansas City. And then you got the Red Hot Titan, uh, uh, Texans, who are leading at 6-3 and three in the worst division in football. Jacksonville, who was 12-4 and four last year, is sitting at 3-5. and five. They're supposed to be a top team in the NFL. They have one of the worst, if not the worst, quarterback in the league. Absolutely. I think Eli Manning takes the gold for takes that. Takes the cake by a landslide. That guy is awful. But Blake Bortles isn't that far behind. So I don't know why they offered him a four-year, $75 million contract. But, you know, they did. They're living with it. They stink. They're 3-5. and five. They're awful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you on everything. I mean, I think in the AFC, the first five teams between the Chiefs, Patriots, Steelers, Texans, Chargers, I think those five teams are locked to make the playoffs. I think what's interesting when you get to the sixth seed, you have the Bengals in there now, but who knows what Andy Dalton can do. He's so unproven, and once he gets in the playoffs, he loses every single time. And then but you the, got team a team, behind the, bang- the team's behind the Bengals. It's the so Dolphins, up in the air. The Titans, the Ravens. I mean, who know- the Ravens have shown sh- signs of greatness. But they could have been the same. Signs of looking like the Giants because they got average Joe, and it's disappointing to see average Joe. Joe. And their defense is either lights out or they stink. Yeah, and I, I think the Indianapolis Colts have a chance to sneak in there. Andrew Luck has been playing well, and who knows that sixth spot is wide open. I mean, the and the, if you look at it, the Colts have the easiest schedule in the league for the next. Rest for the rest of the season. They have to play, I think, Tennessee twice, Jacksonville once. I mean, it's very easy. The hardest and, game they'll have is against the Texans in Houston. And other than that, it's a it, it's games that they're very capable of winning. So who but knows? You have to look. Andrew Luck. You say he's been playing well. They they lost to the Texans thirty seven thirty four in OT, and they had that game. They should have won it. They lost to the Patriots thirty eight to twenty four. They only got that 24 points in a garbage-time touchdown. Then they lose to the Jets. The Jets aren't a good team. And they lose 42-34. Then they play the Bills. All right. The Bills stink. They have Nate Peterman starting at quarterback. Exactly. In his first 400 passes, he has 12 interceptions. In his first game last year, he was 1-6 for with 5 interceptions. And then they played the Raiders. And then they went on their bye week. So... Andrew Luck may have been playing well, but he's played the Jets, the Bills, and the Raiders the last three games, and he's 2-1. and one. Their defense hasn't been good either. I don't see the Colts making the playoffs. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. and I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting comes down to, I mean, who who's going to show up in the playoffs? We know the Steelers can't beat the Patriots in Foxborough, so who knows what's going to happen there. But real quick, Seth, before we wrap up here on our first podcast, who is your Super Bowl pick matchup, score, and league MVP halfway through the season? Go ahead. A Super Bowl pick. It's incredibly hard to pick against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, even when they're the away team. Yep. Out of the AFC, I'm going to take Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and New England Patriots. Out of the NFC, I have to go with Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and the New Orleans Saints. And MVP. What's the score? Score first. Pitting Brady versus Breeze. Incredible. Will be one of the best Super Bowls. Both in their 40s or is Breeze 39? Breeze is 39. Will be one of the best Super Bowls in our generation. That would be incredible. And I mean, 
Where where is it being played again this year? I for, um, I I forget. I forget. I can't remember. Off I the don't top remember of my head. either. But I, I the location I don't think matters that much because obviously it's a neutral site. Except last year, if Minnesota made it, that would have been ridiculous. But no, the Eagles blew them out. Of course. But so, score. I'd have to go. I can't bet against Tom Brady and the Patriots again. So you're so you're saying the New England Patriots will be your Super Bowl champ? At the I end think of the year. they're going to be the Super Bowl champs at a score similar to last year's Super Bowl, high scoring, low defensive game, where the first team to make the other team make a mistake is going to win. I'd probably say it's going to be 45-43, 45 45-40. Sheesh. And and who's your league MVP? League MVP right now? I'm going to have to give it to Patrick Mahomes. Coming yep. in, not as a rookie, as a second-year player technically. Taking over a team that has been good, but they were mediocre. Andy Reid can't lead a team in the playoffs. And Alex Smith can't lead a team in the playoffs. So him coming in and making this team 8-1 and and throwing for four, for five 400-yard games or 300-yard games and four touchdowns in each of those games, incredible. Going with Patrick Mahomes as my league MVP. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't argue that. I mean, uh, real quick here, I think, I think the Super Bowl game, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints in the NFC, and then I'm going to go with a little sleeper, and I'm going to say the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson. I would say the Steelers, but I really don't think they can go in Foxborough and win, and that's what it's shaping up to look like. So I'm going to go Texans-Patriots in the AFC Championship, and somehow, some way, Deshaun Watson is going to pull it off and make the Super Bowl against Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. MVP. MVP, I'm going to go with, well, first I'm going to go with the Saints beating the Texans in the Super Bowl by a score of, let's say, 34 to 27 it's gonna be a great game and league mvp if the season were to end today i would give it to pat mahomes but the season ends eight weeks from now so i'm gonna say the league mvp at the end of this season is gonna go to drew Brees, the new orleans saints what he's done for them has absolutely been remarkable he's got the weapons to do it the record to do it and i think drew Brees is gonna walk away at the age of 39 he's got 39 years old didn't came into the league unproven, guys weren't expecting much, and at the end of this season, he's going to be the league MVP and a Super Bowl champion. But that's all the time we got here for our podcast today. Thanks, Seth, for joining me. Of course. And I'm Dylan, and hopefully we'll have one next week, so tune in next time for Dylan and Seth's podcast. You're listening to this edition of 88.9 The Pulse WQSU Sports Podcast. You're listening to this edition of 88.9 The Pulse WQSU Sports Podcast.